0: At Christ the King Sudden Valley, we are an authentic Christian community, reaching out to people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness, so they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. We encourage you to join us every Sunday at 10am. We meet at the barns located in Gate 2. Find us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or go to ctk.church. In today's podcast, 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you ever get that feeling that you're doing life wrong? Special guest, Josh Morrell, continues our series on change with a discussion of God's will for your life.
1: Josh is the one who uh, birthed our men's group. Uh, I love telling the story where it was a late week, year one, like almost, like within the first few weeks at mm-hmm. church, Josh called me up as, I want to say it was almost 11 o'clock, I think. <laughs> Josh was like, hey man, God's put on my heart to start a men's group. And I'll tell you what, like I announced this morning, we've met less, not met less than 10 times in those nine years. Yes. Uh, every single Thursday morning, he's a big proponent of meeting even on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, which oftentimes I don't make it to that one, but uh, but uh, he's been leading that faithfully, and it's been a great group, and so we get a great opportunity to to learn from a very gifted teacher in uh, uh, knowledge of the scripture. And uh, oh, we were looking for somebody else that was here, uh, but Josh. Uh, one of the big reasons why I love Josh is because of his biblical knowledge. Uh, you know the diversity we have on our council and the truth that Josh brings to us through the scriptures is amazing, and uh, I'm super encouraged by that, and so we get the opportunity to hear from him this morning. So Josh, it's all you.
2: Thank you, Jason. Now that I'm thoroughly embarrassed, and (coughs) it'll be just fine. Good morning, everyone. That was really weak. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Here we go. Much better. Much better. Well, this morning, uh, I get to continue uh, along our series, the change series. Um, actually, Jason and I, several months ago, were talking about what the next, uh, the next series would be, and um, we went over lots of different things. There's lots of great ideas, so I'm sure that uh, some of those other ones will be coming down, down the pike here before too terribly long. Uh, but I was really excited about kind of going through John, and, and Jason's input to that was focusing on change, you know, uh, changes that we see throughout the Gospel of John. And um, uh, this, this passage that I'm going to focus on today uh, really hit home with me. And so uh, it seems like every time I actually get the opportunity to come up here, it's usually something that God's working on me pretty hard. Um, so it ends up being pretty personal for me. And just like any time we open God's Word, uh, I'd like to start in a word of prayer. So if you would bow your heads with me. Father God, I praise you and thank you for the opportunity uh, just to come up and speak your word this morning. Um, Pray that you would be here heard loud and clear. Uh, Help me get out of the way so that people can hear your voice. Uh, I ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay. You ever get that feeling that you've been doing life wrong, that you've been going about things the wrong way, Uh, wrong focus? Uh, wrong direction. Uh, I know I have. Uh, so many times, um, I'll make plans. Uh, I think that I know where I'm going. I, uh, I have a direction and I, and I lock onto it and that's the way I'm going to go. Um, I kind of get sucked into whatever the latest fad is, the latest idea, um, the, latest, um, the latest way of thinking, uh, the latest pursuit, and I think, this is it. This is that moment, I found it, this is gonna satisfy me. This is going to bring me satisfaction, this is gonna bring fulfillment in my life. Um, I always think that these things will fill the void in my life that I'm looking to fill, but they never do. Um, The things uh, in this world that lobby for our time, our money, our energy, our attention, uh, but none of them can satisfy. Now don't get me wrong, None of these things uh, are really wrong or bad in and of themselves, uh, but the problem starts when these things um, become everything to you. Uh, it, the problem starts when they become more important and actually become like an idol to you. And an idol is anything that takes the place of God, uh, who has the 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 right relation or the the right position in your life as top. Nothing else to gain. No, nothing else to go beyond. That's the final goal, God himself. Anything that fills that void and distracts you with your time, your money, your energies, all those kind of things, that becomes an idol to us in our life. We try so hard to attain these things uh, and think that they're going to satisfy. And there are categories of, dis- uh, of these distractions that uh, the Apostle John warns us about. Uh, so John talks about this, and uh, we'll get that passage up on the screen for you. 1 John, chapter 2, starting in verse 15, ending in 16. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Um, Lust of the flesh. Things like food, caffeine, alcohol. Chocolate, drugs, sex, things that pleasure the body. The lust of the eyes are things like sexual lust, uh, wanting something that others have, covetousness. The boastful pride of life uh, is um, the approval of others or popularity, fake or inflated projection of yourself to yourself or to others. Why do we try so hard to, uh, to attain stuff that ultimately cannot satisfy or focus so hard on ourselves. I heard a story about a family, disclaimer, I don't use social media, so my apologies to those of you who who do, but I heard a story about a family who using their Facebook account intentionally fooled the social media world into thinking that their family was off on some extravagant vacation. They photoshopped themselves into uh, exotic and premium vacation scenes popular places like the Eiffel Tower, the Grand Canyon, or maybe a sandy, sunny beach somewhere with crystal clear blue water. Ironically, I heard about another guy who did the same thing, but he really did go on an extravagant vacation. Uh, And while he was out on his extravagant vacation toting all over Facebook on this great trip, somebody took advantage of knowing that he was not at home and alleviated him of all his earthly uh, 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 possessions broke into his home and took just about everything he had Uh, the husband who thinks that having a secret relationship on the side will provide him with the excitement and fulfillment he is chasing ultimately destroying his own marriage the girl who strives to attain the image of that phony Photoshop celebrity or model if I could just look that like that or if I could just afford those clothes The daddy who becomes a workaholic either because he's idolized his career or because even with good intentions of thinking that in doing this, he'll provide the very best for his family, only to wake up one day that none of them know each other. Um, A little over a year ago, as many of you know, uh, I was actually pursuing two careers. Um, I very much enjoyed the extra money and uh, all the perks that that came with the position of battalion chief on the fire department. Um, and there was, there was some good opportunity there, um, but I had to make a decision um, because I was finding that I was losing connection with my wife and my kids. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't home as much as I needed to be, uh, I was gone all the time, the pager was going off, so working full time at the hospital and then nights and weekends I was working at the fire department. Um, Let me tell you that the preteen years and the teen years of your children are definitely not the time you want to be absent. Um, I'm still catching up. Stepping down from uh, one of these positions was definitely one of the most difficult decisions that I had made, but definitely one of the best for my family and for myself. J.D. Rockefeller was once quoted as saying, just a little bit more, How much? uh, to the question that was, how much money is enough money? By the way, this was said uh, by our country's first billionaire in the early 1900s while owning 90% of the oil and gas industry in the United States. And he is still considered, among uh, many, to be the wealthiest person in modern times. Even in ministry, in church, we can get sidetracked into thinking that business issues Goals, performance matrixes, growth uh, objectives uh, are of the church's utmost importance. And they are very important, but not nearly as important as evangelism and discipleship. We focus so much on what we think will fill the void in our lives and that spells out uh, success and happiness. And we think that if we follow the latest trend or getting all the likes on our social media, making more money, looking the best, this is how we find fulfillment. But as we learned a short while ago, when we heard from King Solomon during our series in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 10 says, That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, see this, it is new? Already it has existed for ages which were before us. So just to recap, Solomon's basically saying there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing, there's no new pursuit, there's no new thing out there that's, that's going to make you feel like you have it all together, okay? So what are you saying here, Josh? What are you getting at? Uh, the point of what I'm getting to is the fact that in and of themselves, having wealth, being healthy, enjoying life, enjoying things, experience, uh, life experiences, None of these in and of themselves are wrong or bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. The problem is when these things become more important than him. If you lose sight of what Jesus says uh, should be most important. What I'm saying is don't be distracted in your life by the things that promise satisfaction and fulfillment when we already know that they can't and that they don't. We need a paradigm shift. We need to change the way we think about this life and stop thinking that it's all about us. Stop thinking that it's all about the next thing that excites or stimulates or gives temporary satisfaction and start listening to how our creator God leads us. The next passage, we're going to learn about what Jesus has to say about not focusing on the temporal, the distractions, and start focusing on the eternal, start focusing on him, the real thing. See, when he, when he explains this, keep in mind that all these things that I listed are distractions. They're not there, they're not there to bring you closer to God, which is the ultimate, ultimate goal. John 10, 1 through 10, we'll put that up on the screen. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter through the door into the fold of the sheep is a thief and a robber. But he who enters through the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he puts forth all his own he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice a stranger they will simply not follow but will flee him because they do not know the voice of strangers this figure of speech Jesus spoke to them but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them so jesus said again to them truly truly i say to you i am the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them for i am the door excuse me i am the door if anyone enters through me he will be saved and i will go in and out or and will go in and out and find pasture the thieves come only to kill and destroy I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I'm deeply angered by how that last, the last part of that verse is taken grossly out of context in many circles today, Christian circles. Um, Jesus did not say, uh, He didn't say this to make us believe that all we have to do is say we're sorry and that we believe in Him and that we'll become wealthy. He did not say this to make us think, that we would always be healthy. And he did not say this to have us conclude that everything will always be okay or work out the way we think it should. In fact, he says this in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So Jesus was not saying here, uh, say one little prayer and I'll be your all-powerful genie in a bottle. Jesus was warning us that this life will be tough for his true followers, much like it was for him. If we remember, according to church tradition, some of his first and arguably his greatest followers were persecuted even to the point of horrible deaths. No, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Does anyone notice here that he pauses and he says, I have come that you may have life, and have it abundantly. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying what he has always said: that apart from Him there is no life. There is existence, but there is no life. He comes to give a, uh, give it to us and give it in abundance. I love this beautiful imagery, this picture imagery that uh, that Jesus paints for us in the passage uh, that we read out of John ten. The image of a savior-disciple relationship displayed as the shepherd-to-sheep relationship. Um, Interesting fact that in Near Eastern cultures, shepherds lead their flocks by walking out in front of them and the sheep follow their shepherd. As opposed to out in Western culture... You find that they're usually driven from the rear by sheepdogs and scare tactics and and moved in the direction that the dogs or the Shepherd want them to go what's interesting about that is the culture also drives us in ways that we shouldn't go or ways that we don't want to go or the ways that our Savior doesn't want us to go Jesus came clearly to pay the debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay But he also came to demonstrate to us, his flock, where to go and what to do. I'm sure you've heard this before. I know I've done it with my own children. Um, But when one child wrongs another, uh, the parent will tell the child, now go tell your sister or brother that you're sorry. I know from my own experience of hearing this as a child, that there were times where I truly was sorry for what I did, and then there were other times where I just wanted to jump through the hoops and just make it all better, fix the problem, or make it all better, right? Um, or make it right. That was the other the way it was worded. Um, that way I could just kind of go about what I was doing afterwards, because I satisfied what it is they wanted me to do. Throughout Scripture, there has been a common message from cover to cover. It was preached by great prophets like Moses, Noah, Hosea, Jonah, and Elijah, and John the Baptist, just to name a few. Their common message was repent. They did not, uh, they did tell their audiences, they didn't tell their audiences just to say we're sorry, but to recognize that we, that they, were all in the wrong, chasing after our own interests and pursuits and desires, things that we think that will sustain us and give us fulfillment. But we do, do we do the same thing with our God? that we do with our kids? Do we just say, I'm sorry, hoping that, that by the end of it, uh, that'll be the end of it, and, and that the intention, without the intention of doing anything differently, without the intention of changing behavior? Do we just hope that praying a little prayer, telling God that we're sorry, is all he wants from us? Or do we come to the point of realization that we have sinned, we're continual sinners, and that because of what Jesus did for us, we're awestruck. We're awestruck by the seriousness and the grace and the mercy. We're so struck by that that it instills change in our lives, that we repent from our wrongdoing and that we follow our Savior wherever he leads. Jesus and his disciples, in addition to those mentioned earlier, preached the same message time and time again throughout their ministries for people to repent. The Greek word, uh, used here for, uh, for repent is metaneo. It's used some 34 times in the New Testament. And it always reflects change. Always reflects change. It's not just a feeling of remorse. It's a change of direction. That 180 degree turn away from what you were doing that was wrong and chasing your Savior. It's essentially uh, A change in direction, a conscious decision to avoid continuing down the same road and to move in a new direction. All of those things I mentioned earlier, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life, those are Satan's tools by which he's wielding in the world around us. They are the things that he uses in order to keep you from the life that you were designed for, a life devoted to following Christ. From the Garden of Eden, he's been trying to get us to buy into this same lie, the dismissal of God's reign in our lives and the pursuit of our own wills. So how do I know if I'm following Jesus? What evidence is there to point to whether or not I am? He must be everything to us. He must be top priority. We cannot play games trying to make the people around us Think that we love Jesus. He and everyone else around us should know that we love Jesus by our thoughts, our actions, our words, how we invest our time, our money, where our hearts are, um, the energies that we spend. Are they devoted to Him or to ourselves? So ask yourself do I live for my own glory or for His? Have I ever really surrendered my life to him and his lordship? And what would it look like if those who claim to be his sheep would actually fall in? Join the fold and follow Jesus wherever he leads. In Hebrews, it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In just a moment, uh, we're going to pray, and I'll invite the band to come back up. Um, We're going to pray. And I'm going to give an opportunity um, for folks that maybe, maybe you do hear the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. Maybe you do realize that um, you haven't listened uh, and that you have not brought your life to a point of um, surrender. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you hear him tugging on your heartstrings saying, today's the day. Today's the day you're, you're not going to ignore me anymore. Um, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to pray along with me. Um, And then after we've given those folks an opportunity to pray, uh, I'm also going to pray for those of us who realize that we've strayed away. Scripture is clear about the fact that Jesus leaves that 99 to come after you. And my hope and prayer is that maybe this morning, he's finally grabbed a hold of the tough of your neck and pulling you back into the flock. Listen to his voice and, um, and come back into a, into a right relationship with him. Would you pray with me? Again, Lord, we just lift up your name this morning. Praise you and thank you for your word and for the things that you have put on our hearts. Um, Lord, I praise you and thank you that um, you are God and you are in control. Um, and Lord, you, you say in your word that nobody can come to you unless they are drawn by you. And I pray that you draw those hearts this morning, that you would draw this morning. Those that don't know you have never come to know you. Um, Lord, I lift them up and, and pray that you would help them to believe and that you, they would, you would help them to follow. And again, this morning, if you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, this morning, uh, just pray along with me. Father God, I I know I'm a sinner. I know that I uh, I have sinned and I do wrong things. I know that left to myself, I have no resources. I can't come to you. I can't make things right. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for providing a way back to you, to a right relationship with you. I ask you to come into my life, be my Savior, be my Lord, be my God, and be my friend. And for those of you who find yourselves in line with what I was talking about, from leaving the fold, from breaking away from being a member of the flock... From following Christ with everything you've got. Maybe it's time you come back and recognize uh, where, your, where your shepherd is leading you, where Christ is leading you. So pray with me, if you would. Father God, I thank you that you have got my attention. I thank you that you are working on my heart. I thank you that you have made me realize that nothing in this world is going to satisfy me and that only you and only a right, right relationship with you can satisfy. I praise you and thank you and ask that you help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me not to be distracted by the things of this world and help me to put you where you really belong, at the top of my heart. God, I just again lift up everyone here that... Maybe struggling with their walk with you. Maybe it's brand new. Maybe they've been uh, a Christian for their entire lives, but never really followed you. I just pray that you would, um, would guide them and direct them, show them the way to you. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to speak on your behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We pray that God blesses you with this message. If you would like to contact us, please reach out to us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or visit our website at www.ctk.church. You can also find other episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
2: Until next time, may God bless your week.